7.05 on your Monday evening. That can only mean one thing, as Alex just mentioned. That is time for the Monday night edition of the Employment Hour. Look at that. Phone line's already open. Aren't we quick? Uh, 416-870-6400, star 640 on sale. You have questions about uh, employment, severance, your job, uh, anything under that uh, rather large umbrella we covered here each uh, Monday night, Wednesday night, 7 o'clock. Weekend shows and Employment Hour at 30 happening on Global TV and CTV as well. Uh, John Pincus is in tonight uh, doing the show on this Monday. He is ready to uh, answer all your questions. Chomping at the bit, going to be all over this like a hobo and a ham sandwich. So I know you want to get ready, uh, Johnny. We'll get to it right away. We always start as we uh, warm up and get ready for phone calls with the uh, the week that was. What's going on in your world, pal? You got it, John. So I got a, a few situations over the past uh, little while or so that I'll be talking about today. And maybe some of our listeners will realize that this sounds similar to a situation that they've had or someone they know, a brother, a friend, a mother, father. And uh, if you do, please give us a call and we'll talk about that too. So uh, first situation to talk about is actually just from last week. Uh, I was speaking to a gentleman who was uh, working as a software engineer for a fairly large company. Now, this young man was in his early 30s and was earning about $120,000 per year, but it only worked for about four months. So They terminated his employment uh, after four months, and they offered him a week of his pay as severance. Of course, wanting to make sure that he was what he was receiving was fair, he went online to the severance pay calculator to see what his actual entitlements were. So he goes on to severancepaycalculator.com and finds out that his entitlements are two to four months of his pay. Now, this is a decent amount of money for someone who's just lost their job, so he calls me up to talk about it. And he said he was expecting to, he was actually expecting to be there at least a year, so he wanted to make sure that he was getting what he's owed. So one thing that this individual pointed out to me is that this his contract contained a termination provision. And he yeah. told me that when he when he was when he was hired, when he was looking at, he didn't really understand what it meant. But because he was so excited about the position, uh, he he didn't really read it. It was a big pay raise pay raise for him. It was a big company, so he thought it was just fine print. Don't need to sure. worry about that. But now that he's listened to our show, lo and behold, hindsight's twenty twenty. he realizes that he may have actually made a mistake here, and he may have actually agreed to something that really limited his entitlements. Right. Well, I read the clause, and in about 30 seconds, I could tell you there was something very wrong. It was illegally drafted, and our courts are very clear that when a company drafts an illegal termination clause, it gets thrown out, can't be relied on. As a law's way of saying, if you're going to significantly reduce someone's entitlements, whether you're a big company or a small company, you had better at least do it right. So here they didn't, so it's gone. It's out the window. And I explained to this person, and he was overjoyed. Great, at least he'll get a little bit more compensation here. But here's where the story actually gets even more interesting. Now, remember I mentioned that this person had expected to work there a year. Yep. Well, well, the reason for this is because he was working under a fixed-term contract. So it was going to... Right? (laughs) So you know me too well, John. So it was going to start on such and such date and then end a year later. Well, what the law says in this scenario is that if you're terminated early from a fixed-term contract and there's no valid early termination clause, mm-hmm. you're entitled to the rest of the contract as liquidated damages, full stop. Nice. So after having been employed for four months, this individual had st- still had eight months left. Eight months. That's about $65,000. That's actually wow. over $65,000. So so we're going to be negotiating for this person, and I can tell you right now, this is going to be a fairly straightforward matter to resolve. 
Uh, and this is common. And as an employment lawyer, I actually deal with these kinds of issues all the time. Um, so, so there's a couple takeaways here. The, the first is that you always want to have an employment lawyer review your employment contract before you start a position, before you sign it. You may think you're getting job security if you're under a fixed-term contract, but that's meaningless if the company can just let you go with two weeks' notice. Right. Understand what you're signing before you start a position. And, and this person was lucky because even though he didn't do that, the clause happened to be unenforceable. But in many cases, those termination clauses will be. They will be legal. They will be enforceable. You, you, you have to assume that they will be. Uh, and you have to understand what you're giving up before you sign. And for employers, uh, all I'll say here is uh, beware of the fixed-term contract. The law says that if you make a commitment to employ someone for a period of time and you cut that off early without having an express right to do so, you're on the hook for the rest of that contract. So having an employment lawyer draft your employment agreements, consider hiring someone on an indefinite basis, uh, which is often much cheaper and much safer, uh, you can avoid these pitfalls. Yeah, it, it's funny because I knew you were going to mention that too. So, you know, um, employer beware and employee both have to look at it for opposite reasons. But mm-hmm. it, it could all be solved by calling you and having you draft or at least review it and uh, and go from there. What else uh, What else you got going on, pal? So the other situation involves a regional manager who had been employed for about three years. Now, she'd been doing well, but the company had decided to go in a different direction and downsized her entire department. Now, this was especially disappointing because this woman had been achieving her sales targets, earning her bonuses every year, and just doing great on her annual performance reviews. But she gets her termination letter, and uh, according to the severance pay calculator, which she had checked beforehand, they owed her six months. Now, the company here offered her to pay five. Okay, not perfect, but certainly not an outrageous severance package. And normally the kind of situation where I would tell the employee, well, if you're going to reemploy soon, if you're going to get a job suited, it may actually make sense to accept this. Mm-hmm. But one thing that I did want to discuss with this person was her bonus, because as it turns out, her bonus was a huge part of her compensation. In fact, it was about 35% the size of her salary. And the company had taken the position that because they were terminating her, she does not get the bonus. Nothing for 2018-2019, nothing for 2019-2020. And I asked her, did you ever sign a bonus agreement? And she said, no. So what this means is she's entitled to her full bonus up to the date of her termination, which, is, which by the way, is earned wages, uh, not even severance. And her other bonus prorated throughout uh, her severance period. And as it so happens, this is someone who expects it will take a very long time to find a job, maybe longer than six months, uh, which is often what happens when people get let go in the summer. So we're going to be negotiating with this company to ensure that she gets a fair severance package and her wages, uh, taking into account her bonus, uh, which is a part of her pay. And the law is very clear on this. This is part of your severance package. So the lesson here for employees who've recently lost their job is when you're looking at your severance package, make sure you understand what your severance package actually is. Does it include your commissions? Does it include your bonuses, your car allowance, your benefits? A severance package typically needs to include all of these things. So if you have any questions about it, speak to a lawyer. If, you know, just off the top of your head, if you review 10 severance offers from uh, companies having to do with salespeople, out of 10, how many of those have the employers actually allowed for uh, for bonuses and stuff like that? Or is it just straight up salary most of all? They miss a lot of things, right? Yeah, if I'm just guesstimating, I mean, it, it's definitely a minority of those cases. I don't know what the percentage would actually yeah. be, but the majority of those cases, they're, they're always going to lowball the employee mm-hmm. on, on some some parameter, right? It might, it might mean, okay, we'll give you your bonus, but we're going to give you a really small severance package. Or here, we're giving you, in, you know, in this case that I was just talking about, we're going to give you a great severance package, and it will be uh, it'll be based on your salary, so it'll be great, right? So yeah. you, you have to understand that uh, 
you know, when you've got a lot of components to your compensation, six months doesn't necessarily mean six months. Which is I, uh, why you always want to reach out. By the way, you want to do that to any time uh, when the show's not on or otherwise, one 821 5900 It's simply help at employmenthour.com. And uh, John already referred to it uh, referred to it a couple times during the show already. That is severancepaycalculator.com. That is where you want to go to. You get you know a ballpark uh, number anyway happening before you even make a phone call. In fact, there's a contact button on the bottom of Severance Pay Calculator. Uh, you can get a hold of uh, John or Lior, a member of the team, uh, from the calculator. Biggest mistakes that individuals make that compromise their legal rights. I mean, you just you kind of touched on a couple of those during the other uh, week that was, but this is a pretty hot topic, right? Yeah, yeah. This is this is uh, definitely a hot topic. Uh, there's a lot of different mistakes that uh, people can make uh, without, uh, you know, by compromising their legal rights. And probably one of the biggest one of those is, is signing a contract without mm-hmm. speaking to a lawyer. It's one of the most damaging things that you can uh, do as an employee. So an employee who gets a new job, promotion, or pay raise, you often get so excited. It's really sure. hard to think, hey, here's my salary. Here's my benefits. Uh, I'll write sign on the dotted line. I don't want to lose the offer and accept it. And, and maybe, maybe you won't be able to negotiate it. Maybe there's a termination clause in there that you can't do anything about. And if you want the job, you'll have to take it. But at least know that going into it. Know what you're agreeing to so that uh, if if they terminate your employment, you, you can be prepared for that. And sometimes for some people, there are things in there, non-competition clauses, termination right. clauses that, that, that are deal breakers, uh, especially yeah. if you're leaving a job. You have to know these things. Biggest mistakes individuals make that compromise their legal rights. And this is not only with your job. This is life in general. You don't have thing written record down. You don't have stuff written down of important events or conversations. Write everything down. Otherwise, as we say in the show, it never existed in the first place, right? Right. And, and I understand that, that there's some, um, you know, that there, there, there's some discomfort about this in the workplace. And just, just to be clear, I'm, I'm not saying that you're going to walk around with a tape recorder and, and start documenting everything. That's, that's not what we're talking about here. But if you have, uh, if, if, if you've spoken to your boss and you have a conversation that you think is going to significantly affect your life at work, uh, just confirm it in an email, you know, just write the, write your boss and say, Hey, as, as we discussed, you know, this is my understanding of what's going to happen going forward. Uh, I just want to make sure we're all on the same page here. Uh, because if things go south later on, you want to make sure that you have a record of, of what actually happened. And sometimes what an employer will often do is they'll fire someone on a medical leave, for example, do it do it verbally, and then uh, tell them not to come back. And we come into the picture and the employer tries to play dumb. And they say, oh, we don't know, right. what, uh, we don't know what you're talking about. Uh, we thought this person quit. Uh, but if you've got that in writing, then, then that, that's a game changer. So don't make the mistake of having something just be a verbal conversation and expect that your employer is going to remember it the same way later because it's amazing how people's memories will work when their uh, pocketbook is, uh, is, is at stake here. Yeah, right. 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell. We'll get a quick phone call in here before we uh, take a break. Katrina, thank you for hanging on. How are you this evening? I'm great. And you? Excellent. Uh, what's oh, your concern? Uh, my question was about something that you mentioned earlier in the show about uh, the severance package, including uh, benefits and commissions and bonuses. I, and I had a package that was 18 months. I'd been there 23 years, so I was happy with that. Uh, but they only gave me benefits for two months, for 60 days. So should it have been for the entire uh, severance period? Well, I mean, it, it, it's all a question of what the severance package as a whole was worth, right? There are many reasons why someone may agree 
to accept a lower severance package than they are entitled to. Um, sometimes if someone thinks that they're not going to be out of work for as long as um, as they're entitled to be compensated for, you may accept less than your entitlements. And sometimes they, that may um, that that may include accepting less benefits. So I don't know if this was something you negotiated on your own, or or if it was something that was offered to you right off the bat, or if you negotiated it with was, a lawyer. Yeah, it was uh, just offered. It was uh, you know kind of a mass downsizing. Right, uh, right. And uh, um, you know everybody got two months of benefits. Um, right. So that I mean, and and was this a company that? Um, Actually, yeah, was this 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 was a large company or was this a, it was a yeah a global company right? And, um, right. They uh, um, yeah. So I, I just I just wanted to generally um, benefits should be for the period of the severance, so for the eighteen months. Right. So what what we're talking about here is difference between minimum and full entitlements, right? So when we're talking about an eight week extension of your benefits, that is the bare minimum that they do under the Employment Standards Act. On the other hand, they paid you eighteen months, which is in the range of your common law full entitlements, right? Maybe on the lower end of that range, but if they're paying it as a lump sum, might be a good deal for you in certain circumstances, right? So Yes, your benefits entitlements would have been greater under um, under the common law, uh, but that would also depend on how much you're out of work or how long you're out of work. So you may have actually, depending on how long you were out of work, um, ended up with uh, in less of an entitlement to your salary. So it, it's really contextual, and you 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 often you 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 give up some things and you and you get other things, and strictly speaking, what you get in court is not always what you end up. Um, what you what you end up actually receiving because you have to take a lot of things into consideration here. Um, strictly speaking, yes, you would be entitled to that, but um, it, it's all it's all a question of the circumstances. Katrina, appreciate the call. We're going to have to take our first break. You want to follow up with that? Uh, please do. It is uh, really simple to do so. One eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred, or email John as well. Help at employmenthour dot com. And for you as well, the rest of the evening is for you to call in and ask your questions, just like that. Four one six eight seven zero sixty four hundred star six forty on sale. The Monday night edition of the Employment Hour continues. This is Global News Radio. Uh, Monday night, seven o'clock. Wednesdays, seven o'clock. Weekend morning shows and Employment Hour in thirty happens on Global. Global TV and CTV on weekend mornings as well. For the purpose of this show, though, 416-870-6400, star 640 on sale to reach out and ask your questions. Love to have you on the air. Peter, thank you for uh, for hanging through that short break, pal. How are you? I'm good. Uh, thanks a lot. So no my worries. My question is, I have um, a job offer that I've been given, and it seems to me in reading it that the, it looks like they're trying to limit the mm-hmm. uh, common law and the employment standards uh, part for um, for severance if they ever let me go. Um, so I was just looking to see if I could get some assistance, someone to review it, make sure I'm reading it correctly. But they also had a section on um, uh, was it it's uh, six months of um, drawing a blank six months of of, uh, of uh, being on probation. probation. Yes. Um, <laughs> is that like normal? It seems a yeah. long time. 
So this is something that I do very often, actually. Reviewing employment contracts uh, before people accept them is is something, it's, it's a part of any employment lawyer's job. And there are a few key provisions that I tend to look for. The first is the one that you identified, a termination clause, which is typically the most significant. Other very significant clauses can be a prohibition on competition after your employment ends, non-solicitation. A, a probationary clause, a six-month probationary clause is not really outside of the norm. Uh, it just basically putting you on notice that they are evaluating your fit with the company during that time. As far as your rights to severance, it doesn't typically really play much of a role uh, unless they, you know, they, they develop some kind of alternate entitlement, but they're going to have to pay whether you're subject to minimum entitlements or your full entitlements. They owe you something after three months. It's just a question of how much. Uh, with respect to your termination clause, this is one of those situations where you, you really just want to know what you're walking into. And if it's a situation where you feel you may have leverage to negotiate, you may want to consider that. If it's a situation where you don't necessarily have that leverage to, to negotiate, then all you can do is really reevaluate uh, if you want to still accept that position in light of what you're going to have to give up. And during a call, uh, during a consultation, we can tell you exactly what you are giving up and how that's going to change over time. So this is a really important thing to consider. And I think looking at these things and thinking about them carefully before you sign is a responsible thing to do. So I, I commend you for that. Okay. Um, and what sort of, uh, do you know what sort of cost is involved with the assessment or well that's uh, something I'll, I'll i'll leave to we can talk off air about that but uh typically we just do that as kind of a, a flat rate uh, for for a consultation but certainly we we can talk off air about uh, what the cost of that uh, is is going to be okay and so back to the uh, probation period so if they're saying this probation period does that mean during that full six months they don't have to pay severance if they decide to let me go during that time period. No, no, no. They're, they're three after three months. The Employment Standards Act kicks in and says you have to pay something. But if you are subject to a termination provision that limits you to the minimums, that could be a week of your pay, um, and that already after three months is going to be quite a bit less than you would be owed otherwise. So it's not the probationary clause that necessarily would concern me as much as the the termination clause, which is really what is going to impact. Um, your uh, your employment here okay so I've, I've provided my contact information i guess i'll wait for you guys to contact me so we can go into further details absolutely good stuff steve appreciate the uh, appreciate the call or peter rather and a smart move on your part to give us a call and if you'd like to reach out as well one 5900 would be the uh the way to go moving on to uh, to susan hey susan thank you for hanging on good evening hi hi thanks you guys no worries um, so um, one of the people I work with, she's a little embarrassed in calling in, so she knows I listen to your show. Um, Good. Um, she's on maternity leave. Mm-hmm. She does standard eight to five day. And she asked me, I don't know why she asked me, uh, if she cut two hours from her day, what would happen? I said, I don't know. I thought you have to come back to your same position, same hours. So I said I would find out for her. That's, so that's she a- wants to cut two hours of each of her day for five days of the week. Right, right. So, so that that's a, a good question, and um, this this has actually been something that that was addressed by the courts recently, where someone came back 
um, from a maternity leave and started saying they wanted all these changes to happen. And when the employer uh, decided that they weren't willing to make those changes, um, they they basically sued the employer for constructive dismissal. And, and actually, that didn't fly. So you have to be careful here. Um, just because you're coming back from a maternity leave does not mean that you have the right to have your job changed. Now, that being said, obviously, someone coming back from a maternity leave may need to consider that you know they, they may have to adjust for child care obligations. And an employer does have an obligation to accommodate them uh, up to the point of undue hardship. So usually the first thing that means is they have to look to see if they can get child care, uh, make child care arrangements on their own. Uh, and once they've exhausted all those alternatives, if that requires them to um, leave earlier, uh, then they may the employer may have an obligation to accommodate that. But I certainly wouldn't start making demands before she reviews that in detail with an employment lawyer. And one thing that she may need to consider is rather than cutting time from her schedule, it may just be a matter of adjusting her hours, put, putting a few more hours on this day, a few less hours on that day. But what the law says is you really have to work collaboratively with your employer in this situation. And yes, you are protected under the Human Rights code uh, to to uh, satisfy your to fulfill your obligations to take care of your children but the employer doesn't have an unlimited obligation to accommodate so uh, I think first you approach the employer and see what they're willing to do and if that's not panning out it's at that point maybe discuss it with an employment lawyer what her options are before she makes any changes but I, I think the first thing to do is just to reach out and see what they're willing to do what if the change in her hours then affects the other co-workers within the um, the, um, the, the the workplace Right. So that's that's a question of what's a realistic accommodation going to be. And if it's going to require the company to completely change their business, that might be undue hardship for them. They may they may actually have a leg to stand on to say, look, this is too much. We can't provide this. And they, they may be legally correct about that. So that's why you really need to be careful here. I, there's no harm in asking, but when the employer gives the answer, if the answer is no, before you start, before she starts saying, "Well, this is a violation of my rights" and all these kinds of things, uh, not that she she would, but but some people will will jump to that right away. I think before you do that, it's really important to go to go speak to an employment lawyer and say, "Okay, well, have they really breached their obligation here, or is this, or am I responsible to cooperate here and and try and come up with some alternative first? I'll definitely let her know. No problem. Wonderful. Thank you, uh, Susan. Thank you for the call. And you're, uh, you're a good pal, by the way. 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell to call in, ask your questions just like that. Stephen, thanks for hanging on. Good evening. Hi. Hi, go ahead. Um, I just have a simple question. Yeah. Excuse my, uh, I am paralysis of the voice box. So excuse me, I'm speaking slow. That's no, all uh, good. Um, and my company is closing down, and I've been on disability for quite a while. And early in my disability, they sent me a form and said, um, I have to pay my pension. And they will pay their portion of it as well. Okay. I refuse to pay it, but they're still paying their portion. Now they're closing, and they want me, they want to buy me out. Where do I stand? There's, so there's, uh, Stephen, uh, that's a good question. There's, there's a lot of questions here now. Now, first of all, 
uh, I'll, I'll just start with your employment in general. We'll get to the pension issue. But with respect to your employment in general, uh, if you've been unable to work for an extended period of time, um, they will owe you a severance package, um, but they may not owe you your full entitlements. It, 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 may be, uh, it, it may be less, although if the reason for terminating your employment is that they're closing the, uh, closing the company, then here they could owe you your, your full entitlements. Um, how long have you been employed there? I've been there, well, I've been on for a few years. I've been 21 years now. 21 years is your total service? No, I'm, I'm, well, that's my, with my um, disability, it's 28. 28 years? Yeah. Okay. And what was the position that you held with them? I was a freshman. You were a press, okay. So, you know, this is the kind of situation where you could be entitled um, potentially to 20 months of your pay if the reason they're terminating your employment is because they are closing down uh, the company, um, then arguably they, they could owe you a very significant amount for severance. They could owe you 20 months of your pay. Now, as far as the pensions, um, they may be entitled to a deduction if they've been contributing to pension and, and you haven't been uh, contributing your portion. It'll depend on all the terms of your pension plan. Um, but certainly, if they have given you a termination letter, uh, if they haven't, then I would I would ask them to say if they're it's in the mail. It's in the mail. So once you get that termination letter, Stephen, I want you to give us a call because we're going to want to take a look at that uh, termination letter and see if what they're giving you is actually uh, adequate, given the fact that you've been there for so long, and the reason that they're terminating your employment is just because. Um, they're closing, uh, closing down the uh, the factories or, or where you were working. So, yep. so please do give us a call once you get that uh, termination letter, and it'll be much easier to go through all the details off air. It'll probably be a bit of a longer conversation, but definitely we'll want to look at whether that uh, severance pack severance package that you're being offered is adequate. Okay. Thanks, Stephen. Appreciate that. I'm going to uh, give you the number to reach out if you didn't catch it already. Uh, first of all, the email is help at employmenthour.com. And Stephen, that number, one 821 5900 Please reach out. It'll be a good thing for you to do. And follow up, indeed. Still got lots of time here as we uh, we roll on the Monday night edition of the Employment Hour. In the meantime, you can check severancepaycalculator.com. And to call us now, 416-870-6400, star 640 on your cell will do just nicely. Aaron, thank you for uh, for hanging on. Good evening. Hi, how are you? Good. What's uh, what's up with you tonight? Um, I just wanted to call in and ask a couple questions. Um, sure. I, a week and a half ago, I got let go from a job that I started about seven months ago, um, and the severance that they gave me was essentially a paycheck and my vacation. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing that is, is a little bit frustrating for me is, is I was kind of lured over in under the premise of this great opportunity, but when I got to this job, it was very clear that that wasn't exactly what the job was. Okay, so a few questions. So when I was let go, sorry? Yeah, no, go ahead, go ahead, sorry. And so, like, as, as someone in at my level of, like, middle management, uh, a senior worker, senior, senior worker, I felt like the one paycheck was a bit, a bit Weak. low. Weak. Yeah. Okay, so... Uh, so you're a senior manager, and this was at the new company, the company that just let you go. Yeah. So and, I was I was middle management. I was not senior manager. I was a senior um, senior professional, if you will. Senior professional. Okay. And the place that you were employed previously was that also the job that you had? Yes. 
Okay, and how long were you employed with their uh, with them previously? Four years. So you're there four years. Okay, so you're four years at the old job, and you're also and and how old are you, roughly? I'm forty two. Forty two. Okay, and so you're there four years, and then you were there for seven months, and and um, okay, and how much have they offered you? But they they've offered you about a week. Uh, but one paycheck plus vacation. Okay. Oh, well, vacation. And ha- did you sign an employment agreement? I did, yes. You did. Okay. And was there a probationary clause in there? Do you remember? There wasn't. There was not. Okay. So here's the thing, Aaron. Um, You've really hit on a a very important topic here, an important consideration when we're looking at severance packages, and this is what we call inducement. So if you can establish, if we can show, for instance, LinkedIn correspondence or emails or there were meetings where you were actually recruited to come from this company rather than applying like everyone else, or or maybe you did apply, but it was after you were really encouraged to apply and and, and promised that it was going to be kind of a long-term uh, arrangement, then the law recognizes that you should be entitled to some credit actually from your previous job. So when we're looking at the amount that you could be entitled to, we're not looking at um, your service from from just uh, seven months, although already at seven months, you would arguably be entitled to a lot more than that uh, than you've been offered already. But we're going to look at you as, as being basically a five-year employee. And if you're in your 40s and you're a, you're a middle manager, I mean, you, you could be owed up to eight months of your pay in a situation like this if we can establish that you have been, you were actively recruited and it was, you know, represented to you that this was going to be a, a long-term job. Uh, so you could have very, very significant entitlements here, depending on how much you were you were earning with this new company. Uh, and the first thing I'd want to see is I'd want to see that employment agreement. I'd want to see if you had any email correspondence leading up to when you took the job. And I'd want to find out a lot more details about how this position came to be. Um, but w- almost without a doubt, um, the, the, this, well, I won't say without a doubt because I haven't seen your employment agreement yet, but um, unless there's something that limits your entitlements here, uh, you could be looking at a very, very significant uh, severance package, and this could be a very significant wrongful dismissal. So please do give us a call. Uh, this is something that you absolutely should talk about uh, before while your entitlements are, are still active. And just keep in mind, there is you know there is that two-year limitation period. Um, so don't wait. Uh, do get in touch with us, and, and we can help you out with this. Okay, great. And um, I can find your, your contact information where? I'll leave John, that to John. <laughs> yep, I'm going to give it to you uh, right now, Aaron. So if you got a pen, that would be uh, be super handy. I'm sure you do. It is a 1-855-821-5900. Again, 1-855-821-5900. You can email John as well, help at employmenthour.com. Still got some time here for you to call in. You have questions like that. We've got all kinds of different stuff happening tonight, right? It's, uh, it's what we do. It's what you do. And that's why the, uh, the phone lines are open during Mondays and Wednesdays for sure 416-870-6400 star 640 on sale to uh call in but back to what we were talking about before with the uh, the remaining time here and that's some of the biggest mistakes that individuals make that compromise their legal rights the next one on our list is this and that is failing to keep track and submit their overtime we always get overtime questions on the show because guys want to know how far they can go back and can i claim overtime because i forgot to submit right yeah, overtime, it, it can be a really frustrating issue when people come to us and they said, you know, I worked 60 hours a week, I, you know, I never took vacation, and now they let me go, and I have all this unpaid overtime that I was just expecting to get. Uh, well, if you haven't t- put uh, kept track of that somewhere, right. then that's going to be really, really hard for us to recuperate for you. So 
Uh, just make sure that you're keeping track of it somewhere. Ideally, always make sure you are submitting it directly to your employer. Uh, the best way is always to have kind of contemporaneous records. Um, and because, you know, I have had a few clients over the years that, that did keep meticulous records. And I have to tell you, it really does pay off. If your employer okay. doesn't pay it, we can help you get this, this money paid. Um, so really keep those records, put it in an Excel sheet, submit it every, you know, every month to your employer or, or every couple of weeks to your employer in an email. And that will, that will be doing yourself a big favor later on if that ever becomes an issue. And you can go back to standard two years with, uh, with overtime, I assume? You can go back two years from the time you first discovered it. So generally, as a rule of thumb, we say two years. Sometimes we're able to go back further because there is some law out there that says, you know, sometimes if you don't if you don't discover it until later that you had a claim, you can go back further. Oh, but wow. usually, but usually, as a general rule of thumb, yeah, it's it's going to be two years, uh, two years back because usually the, the the courts will consider you'd have discovered it, you know, when it happened, and then you can only go back two years from from that date. Still got a, a couple minutes left here. Let's try to get to, uh, Teresa on. Hey, Teresa, good evening. How are you? Good, and you? Great. What's uh, what's your concern? Okay, so I, I signed an employment contract, and um, in part of the contract, it states that I was that I shall be considered for a bonus from time to time. Right. And then the second part of the clause indicated that the bonus is at the sole discretion of the employer. Mm-hmm. Um, so upon termination, the employer did not pay me the bonus award and stated that I didn't meet the target billable hours of 1,000, which the 1,000 were, were supposed to be compiled after a year of work. Right. So I'm not sure if I'm entitled to the bonus. Um, plus, the employer also indicated in the interview that bonuses were paid out twice a year. She stated a specific amount, but in the actual clause in the contract, an amount was not disclosed, nor the time frame. So there's a, a dispute now between myself and the employer. Right. Okay. And in terms of the severance, and you said you were you were let go, correct? At six months. So I, I asked the employer for the uh, bonus at six months for the for the hours that for the time, not for the hours, because I didn't know what the target. I didn't even know there was a target that was never disclosed to me. So I only asked for the bonus based on uh, my contribution to the company. Okay. So the do I, I? Yeah. Do I hear you correctly that you were there for six months? Yes. Okay. So the the difficult thing here, and, I, and and certainly you could have a bonus entitlement here, but usually what we'll do with a bonus is we'll want to look at a bonus history, right? And obviously here you're not going to really have a bonus history. So we really have to look at the metrics uh, by way of the bonus that you would have earned uh, in this scenario. And so we'd have to see if you had any performance reviews or um, if there if there were targets that you met or would meet, or if there if you were in a depending you know sometimes when people are in a sales role there are sales that are basically set to be closed but closed at a later date and that would trigger the bonus entitlement. So it's going to be a really really detailed factual inquiry. But if you meet all the metrics, then despite them saying it's discretionary, it may not actually be discretionary. It may be a quantitative bonus assessment. In which case, it's going to be harder for them to say it's discretionary. Uh, and, and in which case they may owe it to you. Whereas if it is fully discretionary and it's just them saying, hey, you did a good job this year, or hey, we don't think you did a good job this year, it's really hard to get that entitlement without having a bonus history. But if you're saying it's a billable hours issue, then it, it may actually be pretty straightforward to resolve. 
Right. So what happened is uh, the, the description in the contract for the position says you must complete a thousand billable hours. I'm a legal assistant. And so um, when I got terminated at six months, um, they're claiming that I was at less than uh, less than half of the, the bonus criteria, although the bonus criteria was never communicated to me. And do I can I claim an opportunity for a loss bonus? Because had I had she not terminated me, I would have been able to make up the thousand hours. Right. Like you and, and you may very well be able to do that. So I, I would recommend that you give us a call and we can take a look at these billable hours in some more detail. We'll take a look at the contract and we can I, this should be very straightforward to resolve. I mean, it's it's, it's it seems clear that it, there's a quantitative component to it. So we're just we just kind of look at the records. We look at the evidence and, and we should be able to figure out where that is. So please do give us a call and, and, and we can help you figure this out. Appreciate that call, uh, Teresa. I think we got time quickly to uh, to slide in Mark here. Mark, go ahead. You got a minute or two. What's uh, what's your concern? Yes, uh, I'm a tractor trailer driver. I work for a federally uh, legislated federal labor code, right? And they're just offering uh, we're being terminated. Just offering me one day per year of service under federal code. Right. So this is this is a, a case of minimum entitlements versus full entitlements. Uh, how how long were you you were there, Mark? Eight years, sir. Eight years. Okay, so they're going to owe you quite a bit more than that. Unless you have an employment agreement that limits you to something less, chances are you're going to be owed more than that, and you could be owed a lot more than that. So I would strongly recommend you give us a call. We deal with federally regulated employees all the time. Uh, There are uh, uh, various methods that we can go to get your entitlements here and get you something more adequate. But what you've received, uh, no, that that sounds like a nonsense Sanford's package, and uh, it could be a very significant amount of money. So please do give us a call, and, and we'll be pleased to help you out with it. Thank you, sir. Thanks, man. We're going to, uh, I think we got Danny. We've got about a minute and a half here. Danny, quickly, got about a minute. Uh, what's your concern, my friend? Hey, Danny. No, Danny's not there. So we're going to uh, we're gonna wrap it for the day, brother. A lot of phone calls. You want to uh, get in contact with John now that the show is done for the day? That is uh, is no problem. That is is actually quite simple. It is 1-855-821-5900. By phone, email, of course, is help at employmenthour.com, severancepaycalculator.com. You should always check there first, don't you know? And there's a contact button at the bottom. We'll do it again Wednesday night right here on the Employment Hour.